Hello there. Hello and welcome to tonight's uh, MHTV. We're doing things a little differently um, tonight because Dave's on the move. <laughs> but um, be assured you have tuned into the right thing. It's us. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about mental health nursing's identity and I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. Um, we were going to have um, Emma Jones with us who's not here tonight so um, I hope you're feeling better soon Emma and we do have Vanessa with us but she's not on camera at the moment so um, she'll be contacting via the usual means but if you want to join in on social media let me hand you over to Dave and Dave can tell you how you can do that tonight. Uh, yeah, and uh, hello from a, a very lovely Bristol at the moment. Uh, and uh, as always, it's great to join in and see all the people out there that are going to be joining tonight. You've got a couple of options to do that. Uh, the first is on the Facebook live feed. All you need to do is head over to the side. There should be a little place for writing any messages, comments, questions, uh, any bits of interest that you want to share about tonight's topic. Uh, the other option that you've got is over on Twitter. Uh, all you need to do is either reply to the tweets that I'll be sending out or to use the hashtag MHTV. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for that hashtag tonight. Uh, and obviously we'll be able to bring in any of the uh, stuff that's relevant to the conversation. Uh, but without further ado, straight back to you, Nikki. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's introduce our guests. So we have um, Chris and Michael with us. So Chris, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name's Chris. I'm a lecturer at the University of Central Lancashire. Um, my kind of interests are in, are in uh, sort of conceptual problems within mental health. So my background is kind of philosophy and thinking about uh, some of the things that we might get right and some of the things that we might get wrong in mental health. My professional background is working with children and young people, really, both in kind of long term psychological work and, and crisis management um, of young people. Um, yeah, hand over to Mike. Yeah. Thank you. So my name is Michael Haslam. I'm a senior lecturer and a PhD student at the University of Central Lancashire. So I'm very interested in, because um, my background's crisis care and mental health liaison. So I'm very interested in things like crisis care and how this is experienced. I'm very interested in the barriers and the facilitators to that. Um, but within my role as a mental health nurse lecturer, I'm very interested as well in the barriers and facilitators in terms of nurse education. Mm. So for people who aren't quite sure what we're talking about, we have a governing body in nursing called the Nurse and Midwifery Council. It's not the RCN, close your ears, Dave, you are <laughs> trades union. <laughs> Um, so um, it's really important for us to understand actually how our profession is um, shaped by these professional standards because obviously people write the professional standards hello Vanessa <laughs> and then um, those standards um, dictate the kind of education that nurses get and that again um, shapes the way the next generation of nurses think about themselves so you know we had these new standards they came through in 2018 so anyone who's on a BSc course uh, or will have just had that first three-year cycle so we're getting the first set of nurses qualifying or just qualifying through um, from those new standards and there's been a lot of um, debate shall I say that is that fair to say yeah. about these mm -hmm. standards particularly from um, areas of nursing who are smaller in number so I think learning disability nursing struggling to get its voice out of any kind but certainly mental health nursing and children's children and young people's nursing have voiced serious concerns about the the 
the type of, of priorities that are being put forward in these mm. standards. So this is not a new debate, but it is an important one for us to have. Um, and I wonder if, if our guests could comment on that. What do you think the impact of the NMC standards has been? Um, perhaps I should go first. Is that okay, Mike? Yeah, is that okay? Absolutely. Um, just as you mentioned then, um, Nikki, that, that how mental health um, student nurses see themselves is, it, it sort of like just kind of uh, sprung a thought on me about a, a, a separate thought about their identity within um, themselves as a student nurse becoming um, into, into qualifying. And, and it, it's a great thought, really. In, in terms of answering your question um, about the, the, the change, there's, there's been a seismic shift, really. So we've argued in our paper um, and, and that's, that seismic shift, is, is, uh, as we argue, has been to move towards a generic standards, a broad base of nursing, which has its advantages. You know, uh, we can see that um, that there are some advantages to kind of genericism and, and generic nursing. But when it comes to, to, to mental health nurses themselves and what we do, you know, what, how we hold to our true identities and our unique identities in mental health nursing, the kind of seismic shift that I kind of alluding to is, is that it's, it's a dilution. Uh, um, the, the, the move towards nurseism uh, uh, and kind of broadening the base of nursing mm. is, is reducing that specialism. Um, and, and, and as we argue, almost, we, I think we argue in the right way, weakening the profession. Mm. So what do you mean by genericism? I mean, I know, but I'm just asking. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. Just... <laughs> this, this has been a really difficult thing to actually capture. Um, and, and, and if you give me kind of a, a bit of space to, to, to map this out, um, so we, we th there are a couple of arguments that, that uh, around genericism, what, what that what that might look like. So as we argue in in, in the paper, it's, it's a, an adult centric nursing education. In the um, the skills, the the things that are prioritised that that all nurses must know and, and mental health nurses must know, uh, have been shifted from specific mental health nursingness. So that that could be the, how how we use the law, how we adopt um, the way we use ethics, how we navigate values in really difficult situations, mm. has been supplanted by. Um, uh, proficiencies, procedures, um, physical things that are done to people. Um, mm -hmm. Now, we might think that that is kind of um, adult nursing in some respects, because a, a lot of what adult nursing is, 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 get, is working with somebody and doing something to them in order to make them feel better. Whereas it, there's, a, there's a philosophical shift Mm. Uh, um, which has moved us closer towards towards that type of nursing as opposed to being with someone um, and actually experiencing distress with someone uh, as what we argue in the paper. So, so genericism is, it, it, it is a broad basis of, of nurse education that, that is diluting specific skills of, of, of mental health nurse education that we feel um, very strongly that, 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 that service users need from their registrants. Mm. Is there anything you wanted to add to that, Michael? Um, I think in, in terms of genericism, um, it feels like we, we just sort of uh, invented this term genericism because when I'm looking back at it, I can't sort of actually work out where, where we got the term from. But genericism is, is more around, uh, yeah, so we'll look at, there's two things in my opinion. First of all, there's the genericism in terms of a generic um, set of standards that underpin the curriculum that we are delivering. And then the, I suppose there is this move towards a generic 
nursing role as well as a result of that. So we, we're in terms of we're, when we talk about genericism, I suppose we're referring both to the curriculum and the standards that underpin that curriculum mm. and then genericism in the respects as well of um, our sort of mental health. Chris talked about a, a dilution of mental health skills. Mm. Um, so this move towards a generic nursing role, it feels very much like um, nurse education is being inevitably moved towards a generic nursing role, or at least that was, you know, when we've had discussions around that, that's very much what it feels like. Mm. Mm. Yeah, is there anything you wanted to add to that, Vanessa? Yeah, no, I was just reflecting whether you think that it reflects a wider genericism in nursing overall. Um, I work mostly in the prisons where um, it's probably more integrated than anywhere else in the sense of the whole healthcare team being there and being present, which has, you know, lots of great advantages around, you know, holistic care. Mm -hmm. um, but I just feel that maybe um, nursing mental health nursing overall is becoming more generic in the way people are seeing it and I just wonder if some of that as well is about like it's really hard to articulate sometimes what we do because a lot of what we do is as you say relational it's tied up with you know legal and ethical considerations and moral um, mm -hmm. dilemmas and that kind of thing so yeah I'm just interested in your thoughts on that really whether it reflects a wider genericism and why that is. I think there are, there, there are a couple of things happening uh, so, so we have this term genericism, which I think we probably did, uh, as Michael, to kind of make up to try and, as a word to capture the phenomena. Mm. It, it might be actually be a disingenuous word um, in the respect that if we think about genericism across nursing, across the four, four fields that we have, you might think of, of education or, or, or the standards uh, representing that sort of equally. So we maybe have 25% adult nursing, 25% mental health. And, and the same for fee pediatric and, and learning disabilities. Um, it's a colleague of mine, uh, Dan Warrender, what he argues is, is that genericism is veiled and it's veiled by adult centricness. So, so this mm. kind of, uh, um, that there's a shift towards moving us towards more adult focused, particularly in acute settings. Mm. And, and we track this back to, uh, and within the article to, to the, all the way back to Francis really, uh, and if we look at kind of the Francis reports and subsequent reports that followed all the way up to um, the Willis reviews, what we find are, are, are crises, crises uh, across nursing, but particularly in, in kind of um, acute setting hospitals with a lack of skills. Uh, and, and there's a real clear theme from, from those uh, publications, which was skilling, reskilling and upskilling. Um, and this skilling mm -hmm. has been translated into mm. procedures, which we think is the wrong thing to do. Um, yeah. th there are different ways to think about skills. Mm. Um, and somewhere as we've moved from uh, um, th this notion of improving physical health care, it, it seems to have infiltrated the standards so much so that it's then uh, been infiltrated to the, to, to the, to the HEIs, where we're now left with uh, uh, this kind of broad skilling of people um, the consequence of that is, is in my view, um, that we, we leave people with a, a skill set who are leaving universities 
which one, they're finding difficult to, to, to get done actually in their nurse education, it, particularly in the practice document, um, which hopefully we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but also once they get into practice, that those skills that are being delivered may not actually suit their roles that they're moving into in that kind of contemporary mental health mm. service, um, which, mm. and so what gets replaced is, is, is the, the, the relational as you, as you describe it. So we, we talk about three themes uh, um, in the paper. We talk about genuine advocacy, which is a concept about being genuine someone, but advocating for someone in the right mm. way. Therapeutic use of self and uh, um, uh, sort of in that relationship, in that dyad with that patient, which mm. is, is tacitly known for mental health nurses. We all see what, what we do well. Um, but what we don't, but what is difficult for the others to see is is, is actually what's going on in that kind of interlocutor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, certainly, I mean, no one's denying, uh, you know, the 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 idea of the Willis report, etc. Um, talked about the the need for um, us to be upskilled and. Uh, I suppose there's something in that, you know, the, argue, the counter argument to this is, well, actually, um, there needs to be a parity of esteem in regard to physical health care. But what we're saying mm-hmm. is we're not denying that the, there needs to be a parity of esteem in relation to physical health care uh, from a mental health point of view when we're looking after mentally unwell people. What we're saying is it's down to the type of skills that are needed. Mm-hmm and the extent to which those skills are needed. So um, I know Chris and I had a a bit of a discussion earlier today, and we talked about this idea of um, students chasing skills. Um, And that's essentially what they're doing. They're chasing skills rather than doing actual mental health nursing within their within mm. their um, nurse education so uh, we're prioritizing for instance things uh, proficiencies such as cannulation uh, vena puncture catheterization mm. now we're not saying that there aren't going to be extended roles within mm. mental health nursing that are going to require those um, but it seems uh, you know, like they are defunct skills for most mental health roles yeah. at this moment in time. And, and also there's something, I suppose, as well around um, um, the idea that when uh, we, we're, we're ticking these boxes, it means that the students are not learning those relational skills that mm. we need to learn by actually spending time with the patients. Yeah, I agree. And, I think and, uh, sorry, go on. I think there's a couple of things that feed into what you're saying. I think one of them is this move to more kind of quantifiable pressures in society. So it's easy to teach. I know there's both that skills teachers are about to agree with me. But it's easier to teach cannulation, isn't it? And get them to, everyone gets shown cannulation. Mm. Everyone does something on an arm and then you tick it that everybody knows it. Whereas teaching the kind of relational experiences and how to sit with distress, that stuff's so much more intangible. And I would say yeah. as well, some of this is that we're not, we haven't historically been great at saying mental health nursing is special, it's different, yeah. and here is our skill set. And frankly, when it comes to parity of esteem, you guys need to skill up about how you talk to people about suicidal ideation, how you yeah. talk about self-injury when they come to your A&E departments or emergency mm-hmm. departments. You know, and I think we haven't been forceful enough about our own. Yeah. about mental health nursing that'd be my thing i think it i think it misses a point as well even reducing the physical health down to a 
procedure in a kind of reductionist way. So, for example, if you think about someone who um, is protesting by not eating in prisons or drinking, um, it's not just the physical health component, is it? There are all sorts of complex sort of psychological dynamics going on mm -hmm. around why a person isn't eating. There are all kinds of issues around capacity, you know, around risk and safety. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of seeing that, yes, as, as mental health nurses, of course, we need to contribute more to the physical health agenda. But mm -hmm. what we bring is more than just being able to do procedures. It's about being able to look at the kind of bigger picture around you know the, that the individual person and the reasons why maybe they're behaving in a particular way and mm. you know like you say working therapeutically with somebody to help them kind of through those challenges mm. and I think what, that's yeah so what's missing then from these standards and, and what's different about mental health let's get let's get into it uh, that, that's a question that, that, that I think he's going to um, take a discussion of our workforce that I don't think mm. I don't think I can adequately give you an answer that says uh, um, you know that this nice this package that I'm going to give to you now is, is what is missing I, I don't think I've got those skills perhaps in this room now here we, we don't have those skills to, to, to do that um, and, and that was that that was I think um, the real beauty of our article really is that we 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 hopefully have set that kind of academic discourse off um, you know, we, what we wanted to do is ask the question is, is what is it to be a good mental health nurse? Mm. Uh, what does that look mm. like? And we, we talked about three concepts that, that were really important to us. Uh, one of the things that I, 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 I'd, I'd like to get in is, is that, that there are there are a few names on the paper, um, but actually the, the, the paper actually belongs, I think, to, to the team at UCLan because that came out of, of, of so many very good conversations. There, there were times when I was shouted at by my colleagues who were perhaps more senior than I am because of my perhaps naive view of uh, mental health nursing and lack of experience as compared to my colleagues. Um, and so uh, what's missing is, is, a, is a really difficult question to answer. And what I want to pose to people who are out there online at the minute what, uh, and ask, you know, what are we missing? Uh, what do we need to, to do? Um, Vanessa, you're talking about physical health. That must be in there, it, mm. it, within those standards, within the NMC mm. curriculum. Mm. I think that uh, um, the fact that um, there are so many service users who, who, who experience disproportionate uh, um, sickness and morbidity uh, um, as per the rest of the population, yeah. that, that's a problem we need to resolve as mental health nurses. Mm. Mm. Um, but... The uniqueness, the special thing that we do, the thing that wasn't captured by the NMC that we point to in our article, it are things like what happens within that dyad, what happens within that interlocutor, how do mental health nurses recognise good mental health care when we see it, but yet yes. it's not known for other people around. And that's what we're, we're, we're alluding to. Um, one final point on this, actually, uh, an interesting point, and I, and I wonder what your thoughts are, Nikki, uh, um, uh, in that um, the, there, there's been, I think what the standards have done is, is kind of, um, it's kind of make divisions within, within the fields, actually. It, it, it's kind of, I think what the standards were trying to do, or one of the things that the standards were trying to do was to bring the profession closer together and that we would recognise ourselves as, as registered nurses first. Actually, I think that what has happened, and, and I've received lots of correspondence from paediatric nurses who said that they feel disconnected from the standards. I know mental health nurses 
feel disconnected. In fact, we have a movement, mental health uh, deserves better, which is building on that disconnection. Um, and one of the things that, that, that has been proposed is that we kind of move away from, from nursing altogether mm-hmm. and that we, we align ourselves more with a mental health profession. I'm a nurse. I don't feel like that. I, 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 feel, I feel very proud of my nursing status. Um, but one thing I'd, I'd like to see what the group think is, should we move away in, in a similar way to what the midwives did and have our own education setting? Because there is something very different about mm-hmm. mental health nursing that we need to capture. Can it be captured in just kind of generic standards? Mm. I think you're making a lot of really interesting points there. Mm-hmm. And I guess until, one of the reasons this has happened is because we, we didn't have a strong enough voice in mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, but also I think, I don't know that these standards particularly serve adult nursing because they make That's adult trouble, nursing yeah. so task orientated. They yeah. undermine a lot of the philosophy yeah. and, uh, models and thinking that the family of nursing has done. Yeah. And it's become very much tick boxing instead of mm. something which is creative and thoughtful and has a psychospiritual kind of vibe mm. to it as well. So this mm. is why I don't get asked to write things because I've got vibe in things. <laughs> well, I will say, Whilst we've been talking, and we've been wondering if anyone else is listening, the questions have gone off the charts. We could okay. have to take a break to come to the questions. So, Dave, can we turn to you? Because you guys well, have it, people off. Well done. <laughs> I've got a quite hard task tonight. So it's whether I'm going to read through all of these that have come in so far, and maybe you pick the ones that you feel are the easiest to answer <laughs> and sort of answer some of them and pretend the others aren't happening. Uh, so, Jane, as well as liking uh, I think a daughter likes your hair Nikki well, thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, she's she's made a few comments and, she, and she's kind of answered a few so uh one of the things that she's put which is probably quite a, a, a big global question is is mental health nursing education part of the solution or the problem and I think that fits in quite nicely in terms of maybe one of the arguments the NMC would push back on this is well we've given you kind of like a loose framework it's now up to you amazing academics to go and create the mental health nurses of tomorrow. And if, if you, if, if a bad job is done, it's actually you guys that have done the bad job, not the kind of the standard sets in NMC. So have you got any kind of thoughts on that pushback? Uh, perhaps I could add to the second one. I don't know, Mike, is that all right with you? Yeah, yeah, you go for it. I'll tell you what, yeah. you go for it first, Chris, go on. So uh, the get out of jail free card that we, we set at sort of ambiguous uh, uh, um, standards that can be interpreted by the HCIs. Absolutely, that, that is a, it's a very good question and uh, an apt observation. Um, I, I can't let them get away with that in, in, in some way because <laughs> the, the role of the NMC is not only to, to uh, protect the public and, and that must be, must be their uh, first priority, they do also validate our courses uh, and, and, and the, the, there must be, or I would hope there is there's some framework or process that allows for that validation to have um, a consistency across uh, the four nations. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from the group that, 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 that I uh, um, sit in, um, what is clear and evident to me is, is a drive towards this genericism that has been validated by the NMC. So there, there are consistencies within universities up and down the country with delivering that pre-reg education um, that is delivering this agenda. 
and I'll give you a, a, another example is when we originally submitted this article to our first journal, they rejected uh, they rejected it uh, uh, outright, which is you have to get used to it. You have to get used to the rejection. Um, uh, but the, the reason why I mentioned that is because they said there was no evidence um, that this was a hate. This was a, a nursing NMC problem and that it maybe it was just the, the HEI that, that you were registered in. Um, and I can I, I can absolutely with my whole heart say to you that um, this is a, a this is a four nations problem. There are representatives across the four nations that are, that we are all saying the same thing that we have shifted. There is a philosophical fundamental shift from um, what I would describe as principles within mental health nursing that are not being applied in the standards. Um, and so that get out of jail free card that I can provide ambiguous principles that you must now follow and interpret, it just doesn't stack up for me. Mm. I, I okay. think I'm going to come in there, Chris, if you don't mind. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely agree with you. You know, the NMC, sorry, the, um, the NMC essentially left it to the HIs to um, interpret those and to um, operationalize those through the practice assessment documents, etc. But um, I, I'm in full agreement there. There should have been some sort of um, procedure in terms of validation that that ensured that that operationalization. I can't say the word now uh, across all um, you know across all HEIs was was done so that actually a mental health nursing degree uh, in in London is the same as a mental health nursing degree in uh, in Preston. And at the minute, you can't say that because there's different interpretations of those standards. Some have more content than others. Mm. Um, the, yeah, absolutely. The, the other thing is, um, I just want to sort of bring in as well, um, cast our eyes over to Australia, where we saw uh, you know, genericism sort of sneaking in in, in the 80s. Yep. And, and that's left Australian, the mental health system in Australia, yep. um, you know, with real problems because yeah. you have people who don't even hold the title of mental health nurse, that they're able to call themselves a mental health nurse without actually any formal training. Mm. And um, that's left real issues in terms of identity and in terms of being able to care for more complex uh, individuals working across more complex uh, environments as well. So mm -hmm. we, we need to be careful that the standards um, allow us to, you know, allow the HEIs to be able to interpret them in such a way that we don't move towards a generic role. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, I just wanted to sort of point out Australia are far they're about two decades ahead of us, and um, we, they, they're having some major issues over there, aren't they? Yeah, that's well they're unhappy. They're unhappy. Yeah. Hurley, Malloy, Lakeman—they all write in this area about the about the impacts that's had on service users in Australia, increased mm -hmm. seclusion rates. Um, yeah. uh, and I still so work on. in Australia, and I have to say, I have to agree because there's nothing. What I found really dispiriting was when a nurse, like an adult nurse, can't get a job in adult, they'll come and work in mental health. Okay. And it fuming mm. the whole time because they're just not, it's just 
different kind of characters work better in diff with different populations Absolutely. in different settings and mm. it kind of makes us a poor relation and that's a real issue and when you're talking about how the standards are written if you have a very strong organized senior team who are from adult backgrounds which is not surprising because most nurses are of adult background yeah. because that's that's the numbers um it, that that shapes everything because you can have really sort of talented um mental health nurses and, and children's nurses are able to articulate their practice but mm. if they're not the person setting the meetings that's automatically undercutting that voice i suppose we'll come back to dave for some more questions yeah it's, it's interesting as you're talking about this because it kind of sort of reminds me of the conversations we had when we were arguing against the shape of caring that health education england produce and the kind of you know the anxieties and mhna yeah. put in a response to that where we kind of highlighted the concerns of our members and how it it could be kind of you know moving down the australian model that our members were saying they, they certainly didn't want to go down that route uh, uh, I, I said i was going to read all the questions out and then i've failed to do that i've only read one of them so i might try and speed up a little bit now shishana she says she completely agrees now the danger is is she could have completely agreed with anything over the last 30 minutes now so you've kind of got to guess what she's completely agreed with but she's carried on and said I am currently a student lead on an acute mental health ward and the proficiencies largely base around skills that students do not have the opportunity to complete in MH settings e.g catheterization blood transfusions students also explain how they feel underprepared qualifying in mental health settings as the proficiencies are not being based on skills they feel they need including de-escalation skills teaching coping mechanisms mental health acts and legislations so yeah. i don't know if you just want to completely agree with that or yeah. sort of contradict or <laughs> yeah i think you put that really well <laughs> absolutely i agree so there were, there were a couple of things that um that, that are points i'd just like to kind of capture there um, and one is this proficiency chasing uh this the, the, where, where you know if i put myself in the shoes of a student or, or, or shoshana as, as, you, as you said um goes out into into practice goes onto a ward um and realizes that perhaps 50 60 70 percent of the things that she needs to do in order to pass and get through to the next part of the program whatever part of the program that they're in um, are not are very difficult to obtain within the practice setting. Now, if that was on a community, that those would be impossible. And so, this proficiency chasing idea that um, now it's more important, and and perhaps rightly so, uh, more important for the student uh, um, to to go and chase these and go and find out, uh, make lots of phone calls, who can help me to to be able to pass the course. And and what that then does is it impacts on the learning of what it is to do the actual job um, in practice yeah. and what it is to do that well uh, and, and if and if we're if we're engaging in that or students are engaging in that and then coming back into to the university and we're we're, we're hopefully wanting to engage in so how did it go and and now we've got our complaints about chasing these proficiencies uh, within that par document something that really does need to change uh, um the, the, then that the, the learning is minimized and there is so much more that can be done mm. um but this again goes back to shape of caring those proficiencies that they're that they're chasing were recommended by lord willis which of course the, the nmc took up in their standards yeah so we've then yeah, got jane you're not nurses tell us what nursing is and uh <laughs> <laughs> sorry thanks it's okay That's so jane 
Jane Fisher also said, as a service user, genuine advocacy is of vital importance and value. And then mm. Reese has replied to that saying, uh, do you think this should be a competency? Wow. Wow, that's, that's two wonderful uh, comments, actually. Mm. Um, so, so genuine advocacy is something that we've uh, um, coined within this first paper. Um, um, what we've got coming um, in, in the future, so we've got a paper under construction at the moment and two more in mind. And these are to flesh out these concepts of what these actually are. So to, to, to go to the philosophical underpinnings. So, so my uh, my hope is that every uh, module across the UK will take uh, will take the name of genuine advocacy as we set it out to be as being an absolute fundamental underpinning of mental health nursing. Yeah. And so it should be more than a proficiency. It should be a module in every HEI's uh, uh, institution. And I hope they also hope they, hope, hope they all say, oh yeah, Chris Connell did that with with his team. That'd be that'd be wonderful. <laughs> Uh, now, Mike Ramsey, uh, a friend of MHNA and on our editorial board, uh, I know he wrote uh, quite a seminal paper previously on a similar subject. Is there an argument that we dilute all fields achieving sense of graduateness in nursing education by the chase for skills and procedure lists? Julie then says, do we think students realise while still on the course all the skills they are potentially missing out on? And I wonder if perhaps it doesn't hit them until they qualify. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a third really year. Point. Yeah. Third year. Sorry, Chris, go on. No, no, go on. Mike. No, no, I was going to say we, that we tend to hear um, nursing students, not, not, not within our institution, but wider than that as well on... on social media, for instance, who talk about, uh, since the papers come out, said, you know, we get to the third year and that's when we feel really, really unprepared. We don't really know what skills we actually need until we actually get to that point. Um, I suppose it's like anything, don't you? If, if this is normal to you, this is the way that you've been trained, you don't know what you're missing out on. We know what people potentially missing out on because we've had a different type of training. Um, but you were certainly getting students who are, coming to the point of qualification and going, I, I genuinely feel that I need a longer period or, or um, you know, further training in a particular area. They don't have, um, for instance, when we talk about things like formulation, um, they don't seem to have the same underpinning knowledge anymore around things like um, attachment theory, psychodynamic theory, you know, the things that were standard to us. Um, yeah. And we used to do whole modules on psychosocial therapies and they're mm. sort of really squashed down now into a matter of weeks and even mm. days in the, in, under the new curriculum, just because there's so much other stuff to get in there. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just speaking from a practice point of view, we've got 50 um, health injustice sites around the country. So a lot of sites and um, we've put all our mental health staff through clinical assessment training for exactly the reason you say that. Um, when we did the sort of baseline audit, it was surprising, like many nurses who don't have the clinical assessment skills that you think they have and don't have that kind of underpinning around attachment theory and, you know, sort of the relational kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the feedback, you know, from the training has been phenomenal, really, you know, in terms of people saying it's the best, you know, the best training they've had kind of thing, because people recognise that that was really missing. And I think, with the new training, there's more, um, it places more responsibility really on the employers. So we're having to think about, particularly in health and justice, which is quite specialist, about 
what skills our mental health nurses need within mm. that setting because it's quite an uh, autonomous setting um and you know in terms of things like preceptorships and which kind of prisons people might want to work in post-qualifying obviously thinking around things like a remand prison you know thinking about comparing that maybe to an acute ward that maybe that's not the best place for somebody to start out if they feel like they're lacking certain skills and I think it's moved the whole focus and, and as well um the ECP course and the ACP course we're having quite a lot of influence in being able to say these are the modules that our mental health nurses need in health and justice. So mm. we actually need to shape up these courses to mm. make sure they fit with what our workforce needs. So, mm. yeah. I think there was an impact of workforce planning on these standards originally. Yeah. When people who were employers thought, if I can get someone who can do everything, yeah, that'll be really handy. And you're like, yeah. well, yes, but if you're paying somebody who's a qualified nurse to do things you can pay somebody much less to do, then you're kind mm. of... Yeah, you mentioned your own. Well, you do, you're oh. messing stuff up basically because you can't have one person to do everything because they've only yeah. got one pair of hands. So you can certainly train someone to be able to do everything, but if they don't do, I mean, I've never ever put a catheter in anybody in 30 years. I haven't. Um, public um, or private. <laughs> I just think, what well, I, I wouldn't want to either. <laughs> I'm going to give it a go. There's some, some earlier, sorry, <laughs> of, of education. Um, yeah. But I would argue that this is exactly what it is. It's moved from education to training. Yeah. We are a production line process yeah. now. We are producing mm. the workforce. And that's mm. quite sad, really. Mm. Students, um, you know, students are missing out on so much um, in terms of, of their knowledge, on, you know, that, would, that could underpin the relational working and, and all of that. And we're working with people with uh, complex trauma. We're working yeah. with people. And, and we need to have that underpinning knowledge because if we don't, we're, we're, we're doing them a disservice. And mm. I wanted to get in there. Sorry, Chris, I, I, it, was, um, it was one of the things I wanted to just get in before we finished. <laughs> it's not just about mental health nurses, you know, getting really cross and waving placards and things <laughs> like that, which, which we talked about, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about how do we improve outcomes for our service users? Okay, ultimately, it's about sort of the, how the standards have moved us as mental health nurses away from being the sort of mental health nurses that service users actually need. Mm. yeah and that's Jane, one of the key yeah. things that make us angry yeah so jane yeah. fisher said one size doesn't fit all when it comes to mental health service users which is absolutely right and johanna mm -hmm. said she's been mm -hmm. seeing a trend in new preceptors requesting more extended time because the initial yeah. um, supernumerary period comes to an end and of course people yeah are that they're underskilled and underprepared so it's having this knock-on effect um so i think we're kind of we are heading towards the end of this, as, as Mike pointed out. So let's just think about what's happening now and what action can we take? So what's the next steps with this? Good question. Um, I, I think that um, almost as a, a segue from, from, what, from what Mike was saying about um, not preparing the work, workforce um, for service users. So one thing our article does argue, and I think argues rightly, is, is that it is the service user that holds, holds that unique position in 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 services so that we need to meet them where they are we need to meet their needs uh, uh, um, to engage with them and that's a really important point 
if we start from that position, we can start to think about, well, well what are we not doing now? What, what is it that, that we're missing and what actions do we need to take? Um, and, and I think that um, we need we need to rethink the standards, essentially. We need to rethink, and I know that's a huge legislative change, uh, and I know that that means an awful lot of work, but the, if I had uh, my magic wand, if, if to use a solution-focused approach, if I had, uh, if I had uh, my way with, with what I would do, is 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 uh, due consideration needs to be uh, um, given to mental health nursing and its uniqueness and what it does as we meet the service user what the good mental health nurse does as they meet the service user in that time of distress if we start from that point we can start to unpack at the moment the current direction of travel particularly from HEE is is to provide a flexible generic workforce that can move from one ward to the other that might not be as maybe as skilled uh, as what uh, um, previous generations have been within that fundamental mental health nursingness that we've been describing. Um, and so we need to counter that. We need to um, change the, 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 or, or, or work with the NMC, our paper calls on the NMC, um, to move towards understanding that this generic process won't work and, and the education should be given specifically on the lines of, of, of critical thinking and what it is to make good decisions in conflicting and pressurised environments, uh, uh, navigating values, navigating the conf conflicting values, uh, real ethical dilemmas that mental health nurses face uh, uh, with, with very much the, the sole focus on, 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 on kind of um, emancipation from, from mental health services and um, promoting that kind of notion of autonomy, um, that, that kind of helping service users get to that point where, where, where they can, where they can uh, live in the world well. Yeah. I, I would say, um, as Chris said, that's that without sort of there being huge legislative changes, um, that 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 would be the ideal really but um I suppose in the short term it's about sort of gathering the support of our um relevant stakeholders so gathering the support of um student nurses you know it's their education they're paying for it they're consumers uh, it's gathering the support of the service users or, or service you know survivors that we we're working alongside, we're working with in solidarity with, with people, sort of um, looking, you know, working with the NMC, working with individual HIs in order to critically examine um, what we currently provide and how we can make that better, how we can make nurse education, mental health nurse education better for our service users ultimately. Mm. And I suppose that's the starting point for us all. Um, there are there are grassroots uh there is a grassroots movement as as chris said uh, you know uh mental health deserves better um uh, you know it's it's a hashtag on on twitter and um that's the very sort of beginning of that we're coming together we're sort of developing a bit of a manifesto um and writing together and sort of hoping to lobby people just to say you know this this is this is this isn't right. This is what we need. We we the, our service users are the people who demand this of us. It's not just about us as a profession. It's mm. in conjunction with those people who we're supposed to be caring for, and 
who demand that um, distinct presence of mental health nursing on the nursing register in the first place. Mm. We've got another message coming in from a student, CYP student. Um, hello, Erica. Lovely to have you with us. Um, it feels like we've got a lot to learn from mental health nursing. Well, that's a lovely thing to say. Mm. Right. I think we've got a lot to learn from each other. And, um, mm. and one of those things I think is about recognising our individual skill bases and where we overlap mm. and how we're different. And thank you very mm. much for your, for your comment. Um, I guess we need to start thinking about finishing up now. So has anyone got um, a final thought? Um, we'll come to each person, a final thought or an action people can take. So we've, we, we'll be retweeting out the articles if anyone wants to, to dig into that and, and understand some of the arguments that we haven't had a chance to get around to. Um, also, um, Michael's mentioned the um, hashtag Mental Health Deserves Better. So please feel free to, to join in and understand a little bit more reading up on that. But um, Chris and Michael, is there anything that you want to, to leave people with? Uh, one final thought for me really is, um, <clears throat> you know, we've talked a lot about uh, mental health nurses, adult nurses, CYP nurses, uh, uh, learned disability nurse, and, and there is no one is better than the other. It's almost like measuring apples and oranges, uh, I would say. Um, the, uh, and, and the question I would like, uh, or the kind of thoughts I would like to leave, uh, leave us with is that, you know, if, if I do go into a physical health hospital, and I go in there. I want to be. I want to be seen by somebody who is expert in 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 that in that field, doing that job, who loves that job. Um, and it's the same in a mental health hospital. If I take my kids to, to a children and young persons uh, ward, all those things that that's what I expect from healthcare. Um, and if we don't have that, if we do have somebody who is trained twenty five percent mental health and so on. Uh, are we still capturing that same expertise in that field um, as they graduate from 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 pre-reg education? And it, it just a, that, that's just a final thought from me. Uh, and essentially, that's what we're arguing for: is is is, is not to have that. Mm. And um, my my final thought, I suppose, is you know we talked about the validation process in terms of the AMC. We talked about the HIs. Um, I suppose one thing we haven't really discussed is actually, uh, I think you've touched upon it already, but as mental health nurses, you know, we must take some of the blame as well because we've been not very good in terms of articulating what it is exactly that we do. Because as we said, it's very implicit what we do. It's, it's known within um, our own service. It's known within the role that we do. Our service users understand what we do. It's almost like some sort of implicit thing between our service users and uh, and ourselves as mental health nurses in terms of um, outcomes, etc. Um, but to the outsider, it's not explicitly known. And uh, I suppose we as mental health nurses need to be more vocal and need to be more uh, explicit about what it is that we do and you know try and hopefully our paper is is sort of the beginning of that discourse trying to articulate who you know what it is exactly that mental health nurses do and we should be proud of what we do as well. Hmm. Vanessa? Yeah it's hard to distill it into one final comment really <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think um, a lot of what has been said I agree with and I think for me um, every conversation you have kind of in the wider world comes back to what physical um, mental health nurses need to be more skilled in physical health. You still hear that. 
And I think it's like what Chris said actually in his comments that we're not saying that we don't want to be skilled in physical health. Of course, we need to be skilled in physical health, but it's also about recognizing what mental health nurses do. And we want mental health nurses to look after people with mental health difficulties who of course have holistic skills, including physical health skills, but the recognition that they also offer something unique as a mental health nurse. And I think the takeaway for me is really what I'm already doing to try and encourage, you know, mental health nurses to have a voice and to kind of articulate what they do and, you know, to get involved in these conversations. Yeah, that's it for me. It's been really interesting tonight. Yeah, um, Dave? I suppose I'd like to finish with a really kind of positive message in terms of, you know, I, th I think it's great that, you know, Chris, Dan, Others have sort of vocalised the, the concerns, obviously the stuff Michael shared tonight. Uh, but there is kind of ways to get this addressed, not just in terms of having these really good conversations amongst the profession or amongst people involved in mental health and mental health nursing. Uh, you know, at, at Unite, we meet on a regular basis with the NMC and kind of saying to them that, you know, there are these concerns that the profession uh, is raising that, that need to be addressed. And, and, you know, there's, there's two ways of dealing with it, really. There's the fingers in their ears and pretending that there's, everything's fine, or there's engaging with the conversation and, and trying to come to some kind of understanding of, of, you know, how we could kind of improve this. Obviously, you know, that's the, we, we're hopefully helping to, you know, make that happen. Uh, but also, you know, MHNA UK, the academics group has done a lot, you know, through, you know, the membership of, you know, people in, in this virtual room, uh, but also in, you know, people that have gone before. And, and I know when the NMC were kind of discuss, discussing the standards, MHNA UK put a lot of effort into having that voice as, as the, uh, the voices of the profession. Uh, and I suppose, you know, hopefully that will carry on and, 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 and act as a, a vehicle to kind of to, 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 to sort of, you know, build up and respond. Uh, and when you think at the recent MHNA UK conference, uh, you know, the chief nurse health education England was there uh, and, you know, had that dialogue with people in the room. So so it's, it's really positive, isn't it, that, 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 that that's happened. So just to kind of, you know, give that extra bit of you know sort of positive and not because you know of the work that you've done that's been so valuable so you know well done guys keep it going mm. okay so um i guess that boils down to if you love something fight for it <laughs> <laughs> and um next week what we're going to be talking about is we've got um cleanser jarrett with us and we'll be talking about fair play fair pay for nhs workers and i guess we'll be mentioning the word strike so <laughs> <laughs> brace yourselves but thank you very much um for, for you guys for joining in such a sort of passion and interest it's really exciting to have these conversations so much appreciated and see you next week take care thank you, thank you, well. thank you. bye, bye, -bye.